0: thank you lord for the understanding that you are giving us thank you father that um we don't have it yet we don't have all the understanding we don't um, we won't have it by the end of this day we won't have it by the end of this year because you're a, an unending uh, god who has so much for us and who is so much and so we're just grateful to be uh beginning this or on this walk with you and and so grateful that you would reveal the truth about yourself to us knowing that it changes us to know you and um i praise you for that lord i thank you i thank you that you will continue to to use these words these scriptures that we've already seen you will continue to bring them to our mind by the holy spirit you will continue to give us understanding of them and in individual ways lord god so that it will actually impact our individual lives And I I thank you, Lord, for that. I thank you that you are our loving Father and you only give good gifts. And I ask, Father, you give me a real understanding of of you, of who you are. And um, I thank you that I can know that you will answer that prayer. In Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Okay, so as transforming as... um, speaking faith can be speaking out your faith um, most believers stop there um, they uh, stop there with the idea that you can have mustard seed faith, speak out the word of God and everything will be fine, um, but that's because most people misunderstand what Jesus means about mustard seed faith and so um, I thought we should perhaps look at that at the beginning of this session um, this session will be shorter than the first two were because we're going to unusually take a break in between the two sessions now. Um, but it won't be much later. We won't finish much later than we usually do So with three sessions. So that probably has confused you totally, so never mind. <laughs> Just let's go on. Um, because most people... What you, if I said to you, what do you understand by the term mustard seed faith, if you have faith like a mustard seed... I don't want to even ask you because I know you'll tell me what I think is not right. (laughs) So most people say if you have just a tiny bit of faith, God can use your faith to accomplish significant things, big things. And I don't think Jesus is talking about that in this passage. I don't think he's promoting small faith or tiny faith. I think he's trying to tell us something about this tiny seed, this tiny mustard seed that, will, um, that has the potential to transform our life. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, the seed faith, the mustard seed faith, what do you know first thing about it? If I said you need mustard seed faith, or ti- uh, you know, the, if you have faith like a tiny mustard seed, what do you know about the seed? <coughs> yeah, no, just from that sentence. I mean, it's so simple, you're going to say, oh, for goodness goodness sake. Yes, no, I know, that's so spiritual, Maureen. (laughs) I know, I know. It's true, it's true. But my answer on my card is, it's not just any seed, this is a mustard seed. It's a mustard seed. So, uh, what's the point of a mustard seed? Why would you plant a mustard seed? Mustard. Mustard. Salt maybe, but why would you plant a mustard seed? Because you wanted mustard. Perfect answer. You would plant a mustard seed to get a mustard bush or plant because you wanted mustard, right? What's the seed that God plants in your life? Because mustard seeds don't produce pineapples, do they? Or apples or bananas. Mustard seeds produce mustard plants from which you might get mustard. What is the point of that? Why does Jesus use mustard seed faith? I mean, yes, for the tininess of it, but what else? What's the seed he planted in you? What's the seed that is planted? A tiny Christ. (laughs) <laughs> Actually, that's really good, Keith. But that's not where we're going with this. So yeah, but that is really good. Yeah, he said I can't tell you because it sounds really good. <laughs> he says a tiny Christ. It's sort of like a seed of Christ. But we're not having that, Keith, because that's just not on my page. If what's the seed? What what do we call the seed? what is the seed of God it's the word of God the word of God is the seed isn't it the farmer sows the seed and some of it falls on uh, stony ground and some of it on thorny grounds and chokes out the word so the seed that is planted in you is the word of God what do you expect the word of God to produce in you oh yes I know but what what will that fruit be what will it look like Yes, it will be consistent with biblical truth about God. It will be consistent with what God reveals in his word, right? So this is serious because this is not a text, you know, mustard seed faith. You can't just name and claim whatever you want. That's what this point is. If you plant a mustard seed or if you have a mustard seed, it will grow a mustard bush. So if you have the seed that God has planted in you, it will produce obedience to the revelation of God. You will start to desire the word of God and that word of God will make you grow. Like the mustard seed, right? So if that's true... What is the faith? God gave you faith, and he planted this mustard seed faith. What will that faith produce in you? Or what will it be? Maybe you can't get that because it's a bit of a strange convoluted thing. What God promises is that your faith, the faith that he planted in you, will be the channel for the power of God to produce in you maturity, biblical maturity in your life. Because the mustard seed is going to produce mustard. The Word of God is going to produce a life that lives according to the Word of God. If you want to see that the seed that He's planted is the seed of your faith, it's going to produce the type of faith that God put in there in the first place. Mustard seeds only produce mustard. That's the whole point. So if God plants anything in you like a mustard seed, it's going to produce what He plants. What did He plant? How were you born again? Peter says, 1 Peter chapter 1. How were you born again? First Peter chapter 1, you're almost there, Linda, yeah. that you were born again, not by perishable, but um, imperishable, by the living and enduring word of God. You were born again by the living and enduring word of God. That's First Peter 1, verse 23. You were born again by the word of God. If you were born by the word of God, what's going to grow you up? Word of God and what's what you're going to be start to look like in your life what's your life going to start to manifest and evidence the word of God God. you're going to start living what you say what you read what you believe what God starts to do in you so the first thing that you know about mustard seed faith is that mustard seeds don't stay mustard seeds what does a mustard seed become exactly mustard seeds grow they grow, seeds grow, but they only grow into, mustards, into mustard b- bushes, okay? So turn to Psalm 37, and I think we can see a, um, a bit of this in there. Because if you're producing biblical maturity, if the Word of God is producing in you maturity, i.e. maturity that goes along with the Word, what will it end up displaying? When your, when your bush is fully grown, what will it display? the lord the lord yes the glory of god the glory of god will be shown in your life right the seed was planted the seed of the word that word is going to grow into maturity biblical maturity that is going to look you know bring god glory okay psalm 37 i love this psalm because i i color it <laughs> i color the psalm Um, it's a new Bible so I've just started colouring you can't see it very clearly but you can colour this psalm with what you do and what God does Um, what you do and what God does Mm -hmm. it's just a perfect example of that process what you do or how does the word of God work and what does it do so first of all what the um, what uh, yeah what you do What you you do, if you've had a mustard seed planted in you and someone says to you, read Psalm 37, you would go through Psalm 37 and you would say, okay, what must I do? Verse 1, what must you do? Do not fret. What does fret mean? Worry. Worry. Do not worry. Do not be anxious. Why? Of? Because of evildoers. Don't be anxious because of those, or don't fret because of evildoers, and don't be envious to do wrongdoers towards wrongdoers so what do you know about the evil doers and the wrongdoers if you're likely to be envious of them what do you know about them yes that's true but you don't know that yet we haven't got there yet we're still in verse 1 what, if you could be envious of these wrongdoers what do you know about them sometimes they seem to have a better life than me So sometimes people who don't know God seem to have a much better life than people that do. Why is that? Yes, yes. And because he doesn't want them to know the Lord. And because God is in the process of changing your soul, not your physical surroundings. So often you can look like you come to the Lord and you expected everything to be fine. And it isn't because he's working on the inside and not on the out so sometimes you can look at people who don't know the lord and you can think well what's the difference really their life looks better than mine you can find that in the psalms in lots of places so do not fret because of evil doers do not be envious towards wrongdoers for they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb instead what are you going to do trust Trust in the lord and Do do good dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness feed on his faith Um, feed on his faithfulness then what delight yourself in the lord and what will god do give you the desires of your heart now we have to notice the sequence what did it start with trust in the lord and do good dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness what's the land in which you dwell i mean i'll have to give you a clue it's not england You're citizens of heaven, but you're not quite there yet. You're still on this planet. So what's the land in which you dwell? Spiritual land. You live You dwell in the spiritual kingdom of God, in the spiritual land of God. How are you going to cultivate faithfulness? It's yeah. <laughs> I know, it is always the answer. I'm so sorry. It's always the same answer. <laughs> it's like, you can't go wrong if you answer that. Definitely. Trust in the Lord and do good. Now, I'm not saying that David is saying David's land was Israel, of course. He's saying, dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. But we can't rip that verse and say, well, that's us now. We're going to dwell in England. That's, that means England. It doesn't. We take the spiritual reality of that in our life. So what is the land we live in? We live in the spiritual kingdom of God. Dwell in that land. Well, how will that look in your life when you dwell in that land? You'll be living by the Spirit, in the Spirit, with the Spirit. You'll be understanding that this physical world is not my home. My home, where I want to dwell, is where God is. I'm looking forward to my heavenly citizenship. I belong there. I'm looking forward to that place. And while I'm down here, I'm going to do everything I can to remind me of home. Did you, Have you ever lived overseas? I lived overseas for 28 years. Jill's lived overseas. She's lived in Australia for a long time. So now she's back. So, what do you do when you're somewhere else? And you know, I, I enjoyed being somewhere else, but you know what I mean. It's just for the example. You're in a place, a foreign land, and you want to be at home. What do you do when you can't get home just yet? Make like you make everything look like home, exactly. No, but you, you know, if you were a right-minded thinking person, you would. <laughs> so. What do you do? You fill your home, where you are, your house where you are, with things of home. And you cultivate what? Cultivate faithfulness. What does that mean? What does cultivate faithfulness? For yes, and you're going to try and build your faith. You're going to grow your faith, cultivate, grow, grow your faith. You're going to do everything you can to cultivate faithfulness in your life, i.e., to live a life that demonstrates faith and that grows faith. So you're going to do that. Delight yourself in the Lord, and as you, d- ha- what does it mean to delight yourself in the Lord? You're wondering what this has got to do with mountains, but unless you keep up, we won't know. So enjoy him. Enjoy him. Enjoy the Lord. How do you enjoy the Lord? Spend time with with him. Spend time with him. And when you're with him, what are you going to do? Listen to him. You're going to talk to him and hear him talk to you. You're going to sing songs together and you're going to put on songs on the radio about him. And you're going to just be get together with other people who love him and you're going to delight in the Lord together. And you're going to do whatever you can do to to be happy in the presence of God. Do you see what I mean? You have to... That's a thing you do. Delight yourself in the Lord. So make it your business to enjoy God. Enjoy God. So... I mean, yeah, enjoy God. And what will God do when you start to enjoy him and trust him and cultivate faithfulness? He will give you the desires of your heart. Okay, what do we understand about that? What are the desires of your heart? To know God more. To know God more. Help me to understand what it means that I don't live in my home. Help me to understand what it means that I have a citizenship in heaven. Help me to cultivate the faithfulness that I need to be able to live here knowing I belong there. Mm. Help me, God, to delight in you, to enjoy you, to really see you as someone that I long to be with. Help me to do that. What will God do? He will give you those desires. He will give you those desires. Just transfer that thought to mountain moving faith. Transfer that. Okay, you're trusting in the Lord and you are doing good i.e. you are trying to be what God wants you to be you're trying to grow in your knowledge of Him you're walking, what does Colossians 1 say grow in your, that you be filled with the knowledge of God in all spiritual wisdom and understanding that you might walk in a manner worthy of God as you grow in your knowledge of God you will walk in a manner worthy of God and you will bear fruit because you will be pleasing Him and all of that will end up you being changed on the inside and having desires you never thought you'd have and when you have those desires you'll find that God starts to give you the desires of your heart and when he does you will realise your mountains have been moved they've been moved you had a mountain and it was that you didn't know that how to enjoy God and you didn't think you were supposed to because you didn't think he wanted you to enjoy him You thought he wanted you to serve him. So you had this idea that God was your master and that you had to serve him to please him. But the reality is he longs for you to delight in him. He longs for you to know him and enjoy him because he is a father beyond any father you have ever met. He loves you with an everlasting love. He wants to fill you with the knowledge of his love, so much so that it just blows your mind. You can't believe that anyone could love you that way. See what I mean? You had a mountain. Because you didn't think God could love you. You had a mountain because you didn't realize you thought you had to serve him. You, you had a mountain because you were slightly afraid of God and afraid of being close to him. These are mountains that will just disappear, will move as you do what he's calling you to do. Psalm 37 is an amazing psalm. Commit your way to the Lord. What, what will he do? Trust also in him and... He will do it. What will he do? Yeah, but what will he do? It says, for commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. What will he do? Yes, but you have to go. It's, it's actually not looking back here. He's going forward. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light. He will do it. You won't have to work at your righteousness. You won't have to try at your righteousness. You won't have to scrabble around wondering, how am I ever going to do it? He will bring forth that righteousness like the light. What's he asked you to do? He's asked you to trust him. He's asked you to live here in this physical planet, knowing that there is your home. He's asked you to delight yourself in him. He hasn't asked you to go and run a marathon he hasn't asked you to be a spiritual giant. He hasn't asked you to study His Word morning till night. He's asked you to enjoy Him and trust Him, mm. and commit your way to Him, and He will bring forth your righteousness. He will do that. And what? And your judgment as the noonday, i.e., as your your kind of reputation or your. Um, The way people see you or judge you or whatever you know the discernment he will bring that forth what's the next thing verse seven rest in the lord rest in the lord and do what wait patiently for him rest in the lord rest in what about god rest in the lord what are you resting in in his truth, yeah, but what's the truth that you're resting in? He has done it. It's done. There's nothing for you to do. There's nothing for you to do. You are now and forever in what the Bible calls the rest of God. You have you don't have work to do. Christ has done it. You don't have anything to do to be anywhere you are right where you should be and you can rest in that place yes yes rest 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 and wait patiently for him and what's the next thing do not fret because of him who prospers in his way because of the man who carries out wicked schemes cease from anger and forsake wrath do not fret it leads only to evil doing for evil doers will be cut off but those who wait for the lord what they will inherit the land what are you going to inherit what land that land you're going to inherit the land that you were born for you were born for heaven you were born for glory you will inherit that glory but you have to rest in the lord wait patiently for him don't fret because what have you see around you don't get angry don't you know forsake wrath you will inherit the land and then verse 11 the humble will inherit the land and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. That word that's translated prosperity all the way through here is peace. It's shalom. uh, uh, Peace, well-being. Um, You could go through the whole psalm. We're not going to go through the whole psalm because um, it's too long really. But I would advise you to go through this psalm. And just um, look at what it says about those who are gods. Um, they're satisfied with little. Better is the little of the righteous than the abundance of the many. Uh, the Lord sustains the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless and their inheritance will be forever. Um, Uh, Those blessed by him will inherit the land, but the righteous is gracious and gives. When he falls, when the righteous falls, he will not be hurled headlong because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. There are so many promises in this psalm and all you had to do was trust in the Lord and do good. Rest in him. Delight yourself in him. He's going to do everything else. You've come in to rest, not work. You've come into real peace, not labor, hard labor. You don't have to work at pleasing God. You already please Him because you belong to Him. Honestly, you know, these are mountains we have in our hearts because we just don't realize the truth of it. God loves you with an overwhelming never-ending love. And he will never stop loving you. Ever. He, he cares for you. He will protect you. He will take you to glory. He is making you glorious. And he will never stop doing that. And he's asking you, delight yourself in me, enjoy me. it is I, it, it. yeah yeah verse 34 um, I said I wouldn't read it all I'm not going to read it all but we're going to go to uh, verse 34 wait for the Lord and keep his way and he will <laughs> exalt you to inherit the land he will exalt you to inherit the land <sighs> Verse 39, but the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. There is nothing that God will not do for you. Nothing. Nothing that he will not do for your best. He will carry you and walk with you and lead the way and walk beside and hold you up and everything you can think of. He will be a strong tower, a refuge, a rock. He will be everything that you need all of the time. And now look at your mountain. What is your mountain? What are you afraid of? What are you anxious about? What are you still bitter about? What are you unforgiving about? What don't you believe about God and you? What don't you believe about him? become a molehill. It's <laughs> my flesh, really. Yes. It through. Yeah. Mm. I don't want to let go. I know. I think I'm right. Yeah, so yeah. To, I'm right to be bitter in a way. Yeah, mm. yeah, mm. and that's the thing. You probably are. Yeah, Humanly, yeah. you probably are. Mm-hmm. You know, there's terrible things done to us over the years, mm-hmm. and 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 they're not right, mm. and they'll never be right. Mm-hmm. But God's not concerned with that. He's concerned with you. Mm-hmm. If you don't let that go. Yeah. Tchick, tchick, all the time (coughs) bitterness has to go because it kills you it destroys you and forgiveness has to go because it destroys the one who doesn't forgive fear has to go because it is destroying you and keeping you from the Lord yeah distraction yeah and actually you know what You have to get to that, well, you don't have to get to that place, but God wants to take you to the place where you totally understand that he is for you. God is for you. He is for you. And every mountain, actually, probably, comes from misunderstanding or not believing that. Now, he's asking me to forgive, but if he really knew what had happened, he wouldn't be expecting me to forgive. And he's asking me to do this, and if he really understood how unfair that was, he wouldn't be asking me to do that. And I've lived all my life with people telling me one thing. Are you really expecting me to believe that God thinks this? Do you see what I mean? It's a complete... It, what we come to is always... Will I take God at his word? Will I believe, despite all of my history, despite all of my present, despite anything I might think about myself or other people might have told me, anything at all, will I believe God's word to me? He planted his word like a mustard seed in you. And you cultivate that word as you read it and believe it. And as you cultivate that word, you become mustard bushes you become a giant bush that covers the earth. That's what he said, didn't he, about mustard bushes? That's what will happen. And no mountain will ever stand in your way. Mustard seeds produce mustard. Mustard seeds also, when they're planted, what happens? When you plant a mustard seed, what do you expect? You expect the process to work. <laughs> you expect a mustard seed to grow into something. Yeah. What is faith? What's the definition of faith from Scripture? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. Do you believe that? God planted his word in you. You were born again by the word of God, the living and enduring word of God. And do you believe that God will grow you up in that word and make you into what he wants you to be? Do you believe that? Because that is the substance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. You can't see that. You can't see it working. You can't see him working through his word, but he is but he is when jesus said didn't in mark 11 when you ask believe as if you've already received it how could you possibly do that unless you're asking for what he's already promised what has god promised you he's promised you eternity what else never leave me or forsake me what else fullness of life, abundant life, fullness of life. What else? who comes to me, I really know why cast out. Yeah, he will never cast me out. What else? Good gifts. Good gifts, gift. he will give me good gifts. What else? Joy, he will fill me with joy. What else? Peace. peace. I can know the peace that passes all understanding because the God who is peace dwells with me. Mm-hmm. What else? No, no, that's it. What else? I want us to know these things. We need to know these things because if we know these things and receive them for ourselves, God, that sort of faith that's growing because we're receiving the promises of God, it enables mountains to be cast into the sea. If you don't believe that God loves you, you will never be unafraid. Do you see what I mean? You cannot get rid of your fear if you don't believe God loves you. You have to believe God loves you to be able to get rid of your fear, to hand him over your fear. If you don't believe God loves you, you will never forgive anybody else because you will feel like, how could he have loved me and allowed that to happen? We have to come into that knowledge that God loves me. He loves me. He loves me and he loves you. And he, even what was done to you, which was all wrong, all wrong, he will cause to work together for good, for your good. Mustard seed, so you expect a mustard. What else, what does a mustard seed require? What does any seed require when it's planted? Watering, what else? What else, light, yeah, what else? Yeah, big, b- you're missing the big one. It requires all of those things. But, but when you plant a mustard seed, yes, light. How soon do you expect to see the mustard plant? You have to give it time. You have to give it time. Mustard seeds don't produce mustard plants immediately. You need time. Okay, so when you pray for something with your mustard seed faith and you don't see your mountain move immediately, what do you have to do? Like, you know, we say, I prayed for a miracle and it didn't happen, so I gave up. I prayed for a miracle and, I mean, you know, somebody told me that I could move mountains with my mustard seed faith and I tried and it didn't happen, so I don't really believe God now. You see, and we're smiling at that and probably you do believe God and you'd never say that you don't believe God. It is his time, but but what's what do you think? If if a mustard seed takes time to produce, and he's talking about mustard seed faith, what can we know about what we ask God? It will happen, but maybe not straight away. Mm -hmm. What have you asked him for? Who was I having a conversation with? Oh, I think I was having a conversation. Doesn't matter. I wouldn't name names anyway. But I was having a conversation with somebody. And we were talking about this concept of time a little bit. They probably don't know they were talking about it but I was talking about it in my head <laughs> <laughs> about time. That um, God doesn't remove things straight away. Why not? Why would he not move the mountain straight away? You've identified your mountain. You've said be gone in the name of Jesus because and whatever else. What they Say that again. They need exactly because if he's if he removes your mountain he knows what you might do with that you might run off into the sunset never come back and talk to him so god will not always remove the mountain immediately he's testing our faith proving our faith yeah who does he have to test our faith for ourselves ourselves do you think god needs to know how good your faith is No, he knows how poor your faith is. (laughs) He knows. He knows how thin it is, how weak it is, how, you know, it's never going to get you anywhere. He knows. He knows. So when he doesn't move the mountain straight away, what do you think he might be doing? Testing. Causing you to keep coming back to him. Keep coming back to him. If you've got a mountain in your life, whatever it may be, and you want rid of it, and it's not going. What you're going to do? Go to God. You're going to keep going back. In, that's what we call prayer. You're going to keep going back in prayer. That's what you're going to do. What does God want you to do? He wants you to keep coming to Him. He wants you to keep praying. So think about it. You know, He's not going to remove every mountain immediately because he wants you to keep drawing near to him, keep coming back to him. So again, look at the mountain in your life. Is it bringing you to God, or is it taking you further from him? If you've got a mountain of bitterness in your life, there's no way that's bringing you to God. It's got to be gone. But if you've got other sorts of mountains in your life, he, he's going to leave them there so that you, you might keep coming. You've got a difficult partner, husband or wife, you've got, you know, bad parents or you've got this or you've got that and God is not removing them you've got a bad job you're working in a job and your employer doesn't you know um, what do you call it appreciate you. appreciate you thank you thank you you know and you just pray, Lord, God just get rid of them you know or give me another boss or whatever you do not your parents obviously <laughs> but you know what I mean just fix this yeah just fix this and he doesn't why not because the longer he doesn't, the more you come to him. And the more you say to him, Lord, I don't know, is there something in me then that needs fixing before that? You know. So it's just this constant prayer, constant coming back to God. If it doesn't move, um, often uh, what you hear people say is, I prayed for a miracle and it didn't happen, so I stopped praying. If the mountain doesn't move, look at yourself. Why has that mountain not moved? What is that mountain? Why has it not moved? What is God trying to show me from that? I mean, seriously, how much do you pray? Not enough. You don't really have to answer. You can just know in your minds. How much do you pray? How long do you pray? How often do you pray? And the answer is not enough. That's just the answer. Because God says pray unceasingly. Pray at all times. Yes, yes, same sort of thing. Yes no mm. Mm. but and what are you praying about <laughs> yeah but think about it what am i praying about and how often am I, am I praying and how much do i want him to answer those prayers and really am i praying for things that i know he wants and actually am i just praying all about my mountains you know is it all about my mountains that he's not shifting yet you know, why am I coming to God? What is there? Why am I here? Why am I here on the planet? Why are you here? To glorify God. Yeah, to glorify God. In what way? How will you do that? What's your, what's your like, mission? To his will. Yes, yes. And what did Jesus say? What's your commission? Make Go and disciples. make disciples. Go out and make disciples. So is that the main part of your prayer every day? Lord give me an opportunity help me to be a disciple maker help me to be a disciple and then a disciple maker is that what you pray for every day probably not (laughs) do you pray for God to be glorified in England do you pray for the church to get up and stand on its feet and stand for Christ and and be like that is that what you pray no you don't we don't pray that we don't we pray about ourselves and our families in our individual situations and needs. I think what God is saying to us is, you know, you've got to get beyond that. Get beyond who you are. Trust that God is for you. He will do everything. You don't need to tell him what you need. You don't t- need to tell him about your mountain. You just need to know that he will move it. That he will work for your good. Now, okay, now let's say we all walked out of this room and we all knew that. And then from tomorrow morning, we managed to hold on to it for a few hours. And then we got outside. (laughs) (laughs) And we got outside. And the next day, we wake up and we come before the Lord, wherever you do that, in your living room or whatever. What will you pray for? Yes. And then what will you ask for? What will you ask for? Yes. Yes, but what will that mean? Lord God. Do whatever you have to do in me to make me a disciple maker. Lord God, do whatever you have to do for for me to stand and proclaim the name of Jesus. Lord God, do whatever it is that needs doing that I might actually come close to fulfilling the purpose for which I've been left behind. Do you see what I mean? Get your minds off yourselves because God will deal with your things. Yeah. We have to really know our God, don't we? Yes, we yes, say that prayer, yes. Unless I know he loves me, that's yes. prayer is very difficult to say. Of course, but that's why we're doing it in session three and not session one, yeah, yeah. because we have to know God. You have to come to God and say, right, you say this, therefore I will receive that for myself. What did John say? John chapter 1, verse um, 14 to 18, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, and as many as received him. It's not just believing what we call believing, it's actually receiving. You must receive the word of God for yourself. When you plant a seed, it gets planted in the ground. The ground receives that seed. You have to receive it and when you receive it, it starts to grow. So the words that you're reading, Psalm 37, and you're reading Psalm 37, you have to receive that. Commit your way to the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Rest in him. Wait on him. Trust him. All those things you have to receive for yourself. You know, there's a, this is nothing to do with moving mountains. I'm just telling you this because I want to sell you this. There's uh, In Jeremiah chapter 1, God says, you're going to go out and you're going to speak to my people. (laughs) And Jeremiah says, well, I don't think I'm going to do that. And then God tells him all the reasons why. And then he says, do not be dismayed by their faces. And you thought I was going to say something super spiritual, but I'm actually going to say your faces could be very dismaying (laughs) as I'm speaking. So you have to get a bit animated. You have to smile a bit and, you know, nod as if you're with me in this. Honestly, because it's really hard, because you're all sleepy and you're all kind of <laughs> like this. and So, <laughs> yeah, sorry, it was a bit of a big interjection. So, listen, what are we going to, thank you, thank you, look at that, how good that is. Two women smiling at me right in the front. So, what, where are we going to get to? We're going to get to a place where we can really truly <coughs> say, I'm done with not believing, I'm done with not receiving. I'm going to receive this for myself. I'm going to receive it. Honestly, that's a mountain in itself. That I'm going to actually receive this for myself. I'm going to trust the things you say are for me. So much so that tomorrow morning, I'm going to stand up and pray for the church in this country. I'm going to pray for the church in this country. I'm going to put myself in a position to to help desiring truth. No, to help wherever (laughs) you go. Well, that's not bad. You can do that. But, you know, I'm going to put myself out there for the sake of the gospel. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. And I'm going to trust my life to him. And when there's another mountain, I'm going to say to that mountain, be moved. I'm going to speak to that mountain, the word that God has given me. I'm going to walk so closely with God that I hear him speak and he will give me. What is it Jesus said? That the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance the words that I've said. He will give me the precise word at the precise moment for the mountain that is in front of me. I will trust that if that mountain doesn't move straight away, there's something about it that will draw me closer to God. I'm going to trust, trust, trust that God is for me. And I'm going to pray for the things he wants me to pray about. I'm going to pray for his name to be exalted in this nation. You know, I listened to a message. I had written all of this, and I listened to a message from Carter Conlon of Times Square Church. I love his voice. He's got this deep voice. He speaks like this. Carter Conlon, Times Square Church. He's the church started by David Wilkerson, who who started a church for gang members in New York. And... um, and, and so I'd prepared all of this, and then I heard his message, and it was almost exactly what I'm saying, only he said it in, in much shorter time. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he did. He said it in a Sunday message. And it was almost like, uh, you know, at first I thought, I'd better tell someone I've written this already because they'll think I've copied it. <laughs> but it was, he was saying, he was saying, time is short, There's no time now to be worrying about yourself. You have to decide, I'm receiving the truth for myself and I am going out for God. I'm going out and I'm going to be all in. I'm going to be all in for God. Time's short. It's so short. And we have to be going. I'm going to read just something before we take a quick break for tea and coffee. Uh, I've got a book in on my shelf at home. Actually, my husband came into my little office yesterday. He said, Have you really read all these books? <laughs> <laughs> I said, Well, probably not all of them because I was given some. You said, just have wow. Sit down and listen. All yeah. <laughs> of <it to> <laughs> yeah. Um, but one of them is a book by E.M. Bounds, who's a very old prayer warrior. And uh, this is a quote from him The church is looking for better methods. God is looking for better men. He uses the word men all the time. we have to forgive him of that, so we're going to say people. I'll put people in. The church is looking for better methods. God is looking for better men. This vital, urgent truth is one that this age of machinery is apt to forget. The forgetting of it is as detrimental to the word of God as removing the sun from its sphere. Darkness, confusion and death would ensue. What the church needs is not better machinery, not new organizations or more novel methods. She needs men whom the Holy Spirit can use, men of prayer, men mighty in prayer. The Holy Spirit does not come on machinery, but on men. He does not anoint plans, but men, men of prayer. It's called Power Through Prayer, his um, book. Father, hmm? it's in a book. It's it's a power through prayer. E.M. Bounds. Yeah, I can copy that for you. Um, Father, we just want to say that I want to say, Lord, I can't speak for everybody here, but I want to say um, that I want to be one of those people. I want to be one of those people who really has set her heart on, on, on on hearing you and coming close to your heart and knowing what you would have me do and say and be and wear and all of it, Lord, I want to be all in. I know my flesh is weak, Lord, and know that distractions come one after the other, and I know how easy it is to be turned aside. But I trust, Lord God, that you have said you will do it in me, that I can Commit my way to you, and you will do it. You will bring forth my righteousness as the noonday. And so, Lord God, I commit my way to you. I ask you to make me a person of prayer, a person who will pray and pray and pray and pray for your will to be done, for the church to grow, for this nation, Lord God, to come back to its senses. Mm -hmm. I pray, Father, that you would enable each one of us here to come to the same place and to understand no matter the time we have left, we will spend it for you. We will just spend it all for you. Not because we have to, but because we want to. Because we love you, Lord. And we receive your love for ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.